I have found out beat news in depth for you. Good evening and welcome to the September edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, this month we hit the road for two stories, starting in the Castro at the Pink Triangle Park and Memorial. John Goldsmith is a neighbor who stepped up to organize the revitalization of this park, and it includes a complete remodel. We'll talk with John about the park, its message, and how he got support to keep this important historical marker alive. And in the second half of our hour, we travel out to Guerneville to preview the new Equality Vines Tasting Room. Equality Vines is a new organization co-founded by Jim Obergefell, the lead plaintiff in the 2015 landmark marriage equality case. And yes, he's opened his first tasting room right here in Sonoma County. We'll talk with Michael Volpat and Jason Myers in the tasting room. And it's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, September 24th, 2017. This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of September 24th, 2017. Edge Media reports that authorities in Tanzania's semi-autonomous region of Zanzibar have detained 20 people accused of engaging in same-sex activities. Police said this week the latest incident is a crackdown on homosexuality in the East African country. Twelve women and eight men were arrested following a police raid on a hotel where the suspects were attending a workshop. Regional Police Chief Hassan Ali said, quote, Yes, we rounded them up because we suspect they were engaged in homosexuality, which is illegal in Zanzibar and against the law of our country. And he added, Police will, quote, intensify their vigilance against those groups, end quote. Homosexuality is criminalized in Tanzania, and sex among men is punishable by jail terms ranging from 30 years to life in prison. Tanzanian authorities recently have cracked down on homosexuals. In September of 2016, the government temporarily suspended HIV and AIDS outreach projects that were protecting gay men. In February, the government stopped 40 privately run health centers from providing AIDS-related services, accusing them of catering to homosexuals. And here in the U.S., CNN reports Jeff Mateer, one of Donald Trump's latest nominees for the federal judiciary, has called transgender children, quote, part of Satan's plan, end quote. He supported conversion therapy and said marriage equality will lead to polygamy, bestiality, and people marrying inanimate objects. Mateer made these remarks during a speech in 2015 documented on video and audio recording by CNN's K-File investigative team. On September 7th, President Trump announced that he was nominating Mateer to be a judge on the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas. In May of 2015, while speaking to the Church on Homosexuality, Mateer said that legalizing same-sex marriage would take the nation down a slippery slope to recognizing other, quote, disgusting types of unions, end quote. LGBT groups have condemned the nomination of Mateer, who, like all federal judge nominees, is subject to confirmation by the U.S. Senate. And here in the Bay Area, SFGate reports that new HIV infections hit another record low in the city of San Francisco last year. Just 223 new infections were reported in 2016. This is down from 265 the previous year, and it represents a 90% drop from the peak of the AIDS epidemic in 1992. In the last four years alone, new cases of HIV have fallen nearly 50%. The recent improvements come largely from a citywide campaign called Getting to Zero. Public health officials said they're pleased with the results they've seen so far, 
and it's becoming increasingly clear that certain groups, including black men, women, Latino men, transgender people, and people who are homeless, are still at a heightened risk of contracting HIV and then suffering poor health outcomes because of it. For a calendar of LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And for all the LGBT news headlines we're following, go to our website at OutBeatNews.com. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. Most history books never tell the story of the 100,000 gay people who were put into concentration camps or of the 15,000 who were murdered by the Nazis in World War II. But the Pink Triangle Park and Memorial, located at 17th and Market Streets in San Francisco's Castro District, will ensure that these people are never forgotten. I traveled to the Castro to talk with John Goldsmith, a neighbor who's taken on a restoration project of the park. So I'm here at the Pink Triangle Park and Memorial, right here in the heart of the Castro with John Goldsmith. He lives here in the neighborhood, and he's leading a charge to revitalize the park and remodel it. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you know, this park's been here a long time, and I've certainly seen it and walked past it, uh, but I've never really paid close attention to it. So for those people who have not been down to this area of the Castro or to the Castro at all, walk us through the park. What's here? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um Yes, I've seen the park when it was originally just a Department of Public Works utility lot. And then in the mid-90s, it became a community park. And then in 1999, uh, neighbors had the idea to turn it into the Pink Triangle Park. They were already calling it the Triangle Park. uh, But the president, Joe Foster, of the Eureka Valley Promotion Association had just come back from Amsterdam, Holland, where he saw the world's first pink triangle park. And he had mentioned that to one of his neighbors, and uh, the person's name is Lion, like the tiger, and he said, why can't we have a pink triangle park? So they all had a Eureka moment. We have a lot of those in Eureka Valley. And they decided to do some fundraising and uh, create a competition for a pink triangle-themed park. Now, Pink Triangle, that's been a longtime symbol of the gay community. We see it during Pride Weekend on Twin Peaks. But for our maybe younger listeners who aren't familiar with the history of the Pink Triangle, this dates back to World War II. It has really a very dark background, right? Correct. Uh, It was during the Nazi Holocaust when the German government rounded up homosexuals and they were under a penal code paragraph 175 it was uh, a law that Hitler created making it illegal to be homosexual Um, over 100,000 men were interviewed by the police half of them were sent to concentration camps and we know at least 15,000 homosexuals were killed during the Nazi Holocaust And, and the pink triangle was part of the uniform that they were assigned to wear right? Correct. Various prisoners had different symbols sewn to their uniforms. The most famous one is the Star of David for the Jews. Uh, Homosexuals had pink triangles. Uh, Criminals had green triangles. People who worked for the church had purple triangles. Immigrants had blue triangles. They had a very sophisticated color-coded system. Yeah, yeah. So the the triangle today has really become uh, a symbol of empowerment, though. We've sort of reclaimed it to be something 
positive and powerful for our community. And it's symbolized here in the park. Yes. Uh, before the rainbow flag became a uh, positive gay identity, the pink triangle was remembered by the gay community as a, a symbol of oppression and to reclaim that symbol as a form of empowerment uh, by taking the triangle, which was pointed down on the uniform, actually to point it upwards as a form of reclaiming identity, similar to the word queer and fag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the history of the park. You, you talked about the fact that it, it was created in 1993. The community park just a general community park happened around 1995. But for several decades, uh, it had a long history of being a high crime, drug den, encampment, and pollution area. It was just kind of a neglected part of the city, right on Market Street. City agencies weren't sure how to handle it. So their solution in the 90s, because the neighbors had complained so much, was to turn it into a parking lot. And that's when the neighbors rallied and said, no, we're gonna turn it into a community park. So they had raised beds with roses and food production, and that had gone on for a few years. And then the idea to turn it into a pink triangle park was in 1999. The park was dedicated on December 10th, 2002 on Human Rights Day, December 10th. Seems like an appropriate day for this. So let's walk through the park. Tell us what is here now, and then we'll get to what's uh, planned for the remodel. Okay. Uh, It is a little bit less than 4,000 square feet. It is a triangular lot. It is not, there are flat areas, but there are also uh, graded areas. There are a series of irregular utility boxes that pop out here and there, and they provide important function. But Jason Rowe, the landscape architect, he was the one that won the competition at the turn of the century. Uh, He created a design that would have a series of rooms, I'll call them, that had a triangular shape to them. A key component of the Pink Triangle Park are 15 granite pylons. They were created by Susan Martin of Oakland and Robert Bruce who's now in Texas and retired. Uh, The 15 pylons represent one for every 1,000 homosexuals killed during uh, the Holocaust. Pylons are a art history term I was surprised to learn in this project. I always think of the orange cones in parking lots as pylons. Pylons are an Egyptian term for truncated columns that are entryways to spiritual temples. So I thought that was very cool that they created these pylons, which are symbolic looking as like headstones. They're triangular in shape, 64 inches in height. And at the very top, there is an inset pink triangle. The pylons are spaced out in a way that creates a large triangle with space in between. And they're all pointed southeast directly towards the rainbow flag gilbert baker's rainbow flag across the street at the harvey milk plaza wow i had no idea how connected it is you know with that and that's that's it's really really cool and and so if we walk in here a little bit more i can see a space where there are some pink rocks talk about that area a little bit what is what is all that about the pink rocks that is essentially the heart of the pink triangle park 
It is a Brazilian crushed rose quartz. This idea was created by Gary Weiss of Ixia, the flower shop down on Market Street. His idea was to have loose quartz for people to select a stone as part of the memorial experience and taking that stone with them wherever they go as a memorial experience. Uh, it's a beautiful thing in that it's just there right in the center and that is that function will continue with the redesign. Yeah, I think that's really a very cool part of the story. You know, so many people come to the Castro from all over the world because it's really an epicenter of so much history. Um, and to have this part of history remembered too, I think is, is just, it's really, really important. I can't think of another place in the U.S. where you can go to get that right under the shadow of the rainbow flag. I, I totally agree. And over the years, the park is about 16 years old. I've been increasingly surprised how few people, local residents, don't know of its existence. And in many maps for uh, tour guides and Castro merchants and the human rights campaign, they have published maps of the Castro for tourists. But often the pink triangle is left out. And sometimes they think of it as the Bermuda Triangle. When you think of it in the grand scheme of LGBT history, it's, it's so far removed from, say, Stonewall and from the immediate events that have happened around marriage, uh, certainly nothing that should ever be forgotten, for sure. I really like the fact that they've worked on making the Castro a place where history is remembered. So this fits in very nicely with all of the plaques that are on the sidewalks, so you can walk down and learn about the people that have contributed to LGBT history, and now you'll have the ability to reflect on the tragedy of the Holocaust so that all of those people who lost their lives will, will never be forgotten. And you're leading a charge to remodel this park. Talk about that. Thank you. Yeah, in December, the, the, bar, the park had been falling in disrepair. Just a few volunteers had been maintaining it. Uh, San Francisco has been experiencing an epidemic of homelessness and uh, drug usage, uh, and that park was starting to revert back to its original uh, state of being kind of an unsavory, unsafe place for residents. And I personally was triggered during the last presidential election, feeling very frustrated. I felt I wasn't being represented in Washington, and I, the Pink Triangle Park wasn't representing me as a gay man living in San Francisco for 25 years. So I felt that this would be an opportunity for me to just volunteer and just clean up the park. And the, pers the main person, uh, Justin Versano, he basically said, John, here's the key to the compost bin. Please take over. I need to take a break. And I, at first, didn't see this as a leadership opportunity. I just saw it as a, a gardening opportunity because I'm a lifetime status master gardener through UC Davis. I'm a consulting rosarian through the American Rose Society, as well as a few other landscape certifications. But I just thought this would be a great way for me to work with the roses and have some the, receive the therapeutic healing qualities of gardening. Much to my surprise, People and organizations have been coming out of the woodwork wanting to support the project, and it's taken a life on its own. And I created in December a group called the Gardener's Guild so I can start funneling the energy so we could restore this park 
I would like to see it in my mind. Uh, I'm thinking of it as being called the uh, the jewel of the Castro, because we currently don't have anything like that. And did you know that the Castro is the second most trafficked neighborhood in the city after Union Square? And living in the neighborhood, and especially after the movie Milk, Harvey Milk with Sean Penn in 2008, I've seen the neighborhood become much more of an international tourist destination. Well, and that's really cool. I, and I totally agree with you. I think not living here, uh, but visiting here often, it's very clear. There's tons of foot traffic, which was part of the reason for the sidewalk expansion, right? And so that's really cool that it's this is going to help be part of that preservation. Um, we've talked in the show before about the migration of LGBT people out into sort of mainstream suburbs. Um, and maybe the Castro's losing some of its identity with the, with the loss of, of that community. But projects like this are going to help preserve it as a gay center. And that's really, really important. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see uh, what's going to come. Talk about some of the organizations you mentioned that are helping you. Talk about some of them. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, just yesterday we had our 16th Gardeners Guild work party. They take place on the first and third Saturday of every month from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And yesterday's work group, uh, we had visitors from San Jose. They drove up from San Jose, uh, and they're with the Human Rights Campaign. And so I made new friends. We pulled weeds. We crushed rose quartz in preparation for the reinstallation uh, of the, the pink triangle itself. Uh, other groups have been the AIDS Foundation, the Bridgman Group, the Athenian School in Walnut Creek, high schoolers. And I learned that their high school was one of the very first schools in California to have LGBT studies in, uh, as, in a, at a high school level. Talk about the city of San Francisco. You mentioned that you've been working a little bit with them. How supportive have they been of this project? Well, so the land is owned by DPW. And uh, we've worked, uh, DPW has sent out their clean team. They have an annual clean team. They focus on specific neighborhoods. And they helped us uh, spread out the decomposed granite and the walkway. It had experienced years of erosion. We also put in uh, mulch uh, and weed tarp to keep the weeds down and to keep the moisture in the soil. Some other uh, groups have been the San Francisco Parks Alliance. I originally thought that the park was part of Park and Rec, but it's not. So uh, I'm, I've been learning which agencies to work with. So the Public Utilities Commission is on board, DPW, Department of Public Works is on board, and, uh, and Municipal Transportation Authority, MTA. Originally, on the market side of the park was an old train stop. Now the trains go underground through the Muni station, but originally they were a surface level, and then they went through a tunnel that's near the park. So, uh, so MTA manages the Market Street side of it. So it's a, it's a collaborative effort for sure. Great. It's nice that they're all on board. So the remodel. Let's talk about what people are going to be seeing now when this project is complete. So the Gardeners Guild was becoming larger and larger, and... I'm just a volunteer, just ma- managing this the situation. And then Andrea Aiello, the executive director of the Community Benefits District, she came forward. Oh, and she's also volunteered, as well as the supervisors and other politicos have come out. And she said that 
her group, the CBD, Community Benefits District, could function as our fiscal sponsor and we could apply for some grants for improvements, capital improvements. So we put in a grant with a community challenge grant through the city and we were awarded the amount of $91,000. Wow. Yeah, it's really great. And we can apply for this for two more years. And there's other grants available to us, which we haven't even started yet. But with this $91,000, our first projects are, and we're working with the original landscape architect, Jason Rowe, we're going to make it partially handicap accessible, ADA compliant. It is a slope. It's a tricky little area. So we're going to uh, create an entryway into the park where a person in a wheelchair or a walker can walk on a smooth surface and then come into the center of the park, the triangle. And we're going to expand where that loose rose quartz triangle is and have a hardscape around it. So there will also be uh, benches now. We, currently there is zero seating, nowhere. So we're going to have seating. We're also going to have an entirely new irrigation system the current system is 16 years old, and of the four valves, only one works, which is the lawn. And we're going to do 100% plant refresh. Maybe the three locust trees will stay, but we need to check with an arborist and get their professional opinion on it. Right, and you've got a lot of growth. You've got some pretty tall cactus there that are looking a little scary. Some of them are ready to be to be refurbished, and so this will be great. Yeah, there's uh, probably about 10 uh, century plants, uh, the part of the agave family, and they're extremely spiky. And perhaps that was a plant choice early on as part of reclaiming the space so people won't camp out in it. Same with the roses, perhaps. But uh, they live about 15 to 30 years old, years, and then uh, they flower and then they die. And about half of them have finished flowering and they're drying out. Pups are forming around at the base of them. Uh, that's their cycle. Uh, and then three of them are in the current state of flowering. And they're quite beautiful when they're flowering and unusual, but uh, they will likely go with the new plant design. Okay, so you've got about $182,000, if my math is right, coming over the next couple of years in grants. What's the timeline for the, the remodel? Well, we, we are planning on breaking ground January 1st. We're lining up all the contractors and subcontractors and having a rededication on March 24th around the spring equinox. Perfect. March 24th of 2018. That'll be a great time to come down and be part of this very historic event. Uh, if people have an interest in supporting this project, are you taking donations? Yes, please. Uh, we have a website and we are a 501c3 organization so that donations are tax deductible. Our website is www.pinktrianglepark.org. Perfect. And if you missed that website, we'll have it on our own website at outbeatnews.com. You can just go there. You can link to it and get some more information on the Pink Triangle Park and how you can support it and keep this part of history alive. It's really, really important. John, I just have to tell you, I'm really impressed that someone from the neighborhood, not from the city, not from some big organization, but someone from the neighborhood said, I'm going to take charge of this thing and I'm going to help preserve it and carry it forward. So thank you so much for doing that. 
my pleasure. For me, it was it's turned out to be like a rescue operation. And my mantra of 2016 was improve reality. And this has been a perfect opportunity to improve my reality because I go through there every day on my way to the dog park with my dogs. And uh, I feel proud of the work that I'm doing. I've also been humbled and awed by the amount of people who come forward, introduce themselves, and they talk about their personal experiences about uh, the Pink Triangle Park. And I feel like it's just a conduit for so many different things. Some people come at the work parties just to socialize. Others really want to do some serious digging. So it's, I, I feel like the park can facilitate so much now as well as into the future. Great. Congratulations on a great project, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much, Greg. This weekend, Bobby Joe Valentine celebrated the release of his newest CD. It's called Maybe Stars, and it features all new and original music. Bobby Joe Valentine has shared his personal story with us on our show before, and we've been fans of his for many years now. So here's a song he sent us from the new CD. It's called Wild Wild Heart. So if you think that staying here will keep you safe, it won't. So stumble from the creek of what you think you know To the sea of what you don't Sometimes a nest becomes a cage And what you need is right outside the door You have got a wild, wild heart Time to let it go, go, go You have got a wild, wild heart Time to let it go, go, go It's never wise to run away Since we were little kids Always the race to be safe It's fine to try and run the place So long as the final stop is home base But sometimes the nest becomes a cage you have got a wild, wild heart Time to let it go, go, go You have got a wild, wild heart Time to let it go, go, go Time to let it go Sometimes the nest becomes a cage And what you need is right outside the door So if you think that staying here will keep you safe, it won't So stumble from the creek of what you think you know To the sea of what you don't You've got a wild, wild heart Time to let it go got a wild, wild heart Time to let it go, go, go Doesn't need a home Time to let it go You've got a wild, wild heart Time to let it go, go, go You've got a wild, wild heart Doesn't need a home Time to let it go So if you've got a tank here We'll keep you safe and won't go, go, go So stumble from the creek of what you think 
Wild Wild Heart from Bobby Joe Valentine's brand new CD called Maybe Stars. You can find out more about Bobby Joe's music on iTunes or on his website at bobbyjoevalentine.com. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News in Depth on KRCB-FM Radio 91. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, in 2015, Jim Obergefell became the lead name on the landmark marriage equality case, arguably the most significant U.S. Supreme Court civil rights decision of our time. But Jim hasn't stopped fighting for civil rights, and one of his latest ventures seeks to raise money for the ongoing fight. He's the co-founder of Equality Vines, and we traveled out to Guerneville to visit the flagship tasting room and talk with Michael Volpat and Jason Myers. Well, I'm here at Equality Vines in downtown Guerneville. It's just before the grand opening, visiting with Michael Volpat and Jason Myers, who are in charge of putting this uh, wonderful tasting room together. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, it's really exciting. I mean, you've got this prime location. As I was driving into town, I saw the building immediately. It, this was the old hardware store space, right? That's kind of been remodeled? It was called the Mercantile. So it was like a dollar store, trinkets, knickknacks, and whatnots. And um, Community First Bank was located here as well. About two or three years ago, they moved across the street um, and have become the anchor tenant here on the corner. And then um, the landlords, Paul and Carrie, remodeled this space. It's split into four units right now. We have the largest unit, and we are the anchor tenant. We're the first thing that you see when you drive into town now. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you've got beautiful windows that look out over the plaza, and you can't miss it as you come in. I mean, it's really a spectacular space, and inside is fantastic. We'll put some pictures on our website uh, so that you can uh, see it. But... Let's start out, what's the story behind Equality Vines and the Equality Wine that you're producing? So, um, it's a really interesting story, actually. Uh, the founder, the lead founder of the company is a guy named Matt Grove. Um, he had a wine company that was importing wines from South Africa, <clears throat> and he wanted to do something to tribute his aunt who filed the first um, discrimination lawsuit, female discrimination lawsuit against NBC Universal, and she won. Um, and so he wanted to launch a wine in her honor, and it was going to be one label. Her name is Dr. Marilyn Schultz. There's a lot of information on equalityvines.com um, about that story, uh, so I won't go too deeply into it. But his friends challenged him to do something bigger and different, and at the same time that he was coming up with the idea for the brand, um, we had won uh, marriage equality. And he called Jim Obergefell, he didn't know Jim, and I was working with Jim at the time, and Jim called me and said, there's this guy, and he's got this idea, and I want you to vet it for me because you know the wine industry. And so I got on the phone with Matt, we started talking, and what was a you know, quick phone call to learn about what he was doing turned into about an hour-long conversation, and Matt and I quickly decided that we would become business partners and launch this brand together in conjunction with Jim and now a few other investors from town. It really illustrates what a small world this is. I mean, I just want to step back for a second because... Michael, we had you on the show before when you opened up Big Bottom Market at sort of the beginning of what I would call the, the most recent renaissance of Guerneville. 
Uh, and you've been here a while. And so it's just, it's amazing to me that now you're involved in this venture too. How did you meet Jim? Um, a friend of mine uh, in New York who is in the PR business. I'm in the PR business as well. She called me and she said, Jim Obergefell needs somebody to help him manage all of the incoming interest of interviews that, you know, right after the Supreme Court case ruled in our favor. And <clears throat> I got on the phone with Jim and I could tell that he was, he was overwhelmed by all of the interest and really needed somebody to help him kind of heard the, <laughs> heard, heard the cats, so to speak. Um, so Jim and I became friends and I became his PR person and that was, it was just kind of a very interesting turn of events. Fantastic. Jason, how about you? How did you get involved in this? Uh, I kind of uh, just through responding to an ad online. You know, they were looking for uh, qualified candidates to come and work in the tasting room and I responded. I have... Uh, you know, many years of experience in hospitality in general. And, um, you know, it was just kind of serendipitous that I saw this ad and the messaging and the causes that we support really spoke to me. And it's something that I already love to do, supporting things that I care deeply about. So it was kind of a win-win for me. Awesome. Are you local here or were you drawn to move here because of the opportunity? I've been a Bay Area native all my life. So born in San Francisco, raised in Santa Rosa. Very good. Okay, so I'm standing here in front of several bottles. So talk about, give us a rundown of the wines. So let's talk a little bit about the winemakers first. I'm going to let Jason go deep into the wines, but I want to talk to you about the reason behind our first label and why we chose who we chose. When Matt originally came to me, um, I asked him where he was getting his wine from because we are, all of our um, wines are made by really awesome winemakers and that's a real core part of our brand we're not making the wines we're actually working with the winemakers to create really delicious wines for us so the first label first wine is the love wins cuvee um and uh it's made by joy sterling of iron horse originally matt was planning on getting his grapes in napa which i always like to say napa's for auto parts and almost for wine but um what was more important to me is that if we were going to launch a label the the because the russian river is so gay friendly the wine had to come from the russian river absolutely and after that phone call with matt i would say 15 minutes later he was on the phone with joy sterling and he and joy joy of iron horse vineyards um he and joy decided that we would make this first sparkling cuvee together and then our second wine is the Decision Pinot Noir, which is made by Kurt Juisty of Juisty Ranch. His family has a gorgeous ranch in Forestville, about two miles away. Kurt himself is gay, um, and his family has been making wine for many, 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 many years. So um, the first few wines that we launched are rooted in the Russian River, and that's really important. Then we have another brand that we just launched called um, 19th Amendment. Um, again, Jason will tell you specifically about the flavor profile of these wines, but the first um, label that we launched with that is, made, is the um, Sauvignon Blanc. It's made by Alison Duran. She's 
uh, located up in Alexander Valley. Um, but the great thing about 19th Amendment is that it's all about women's rights, and $2 of every bottle we sell of this wine goes to the League of Women Voters. So Pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, let me let me before we get to the yeah. to the to the wines themselves. I mean, I'm going to start with the cuvées because Iron Horse has been a wonderful supporter of our community for a long time, uh, and that Rainbow Cuvée label I recognize, uh, you know, with some similarities here to this one, and it's really cool that people have kept their commitment after the marriage decision. You know, it's not just about raising money and saying, okay, now we're done and leaving it, but but the. You know, these makers are still involved in, in keeping the, the movement going. And I love the label on the decision with the scales of justice. It's really a, a cool one. Yeah. Um, the great thing about, you're right about Joy. She has definitely kept her commitment to this. And um, it, it was a lot of fun making this wine with her and her winemaker. I mean, we literally sat around a table and... Be, this was even before we had the the wine named, and we were sitting around the table tasting these wines, and Matt said, what are we going to name it? And Jim Obergefell was there for that tasting, and his book, was Love Wins, was just about to come out, and I looked at Jim, and I was like, we should call it Love Wins, <laughs> because it's such an important message behind our brand. I mean, it is the flagship message of our brand and i'm so glad that we have so many awesome winemakers in this community and beyond that are partnering with us to to create some great wines for people well it's in a sparkling wine right part of the celebration so it's it's quite perfect so jason tell us about uh the wines themselves well yeah like uh we were saying we have uh three very distinct brands that we have here in the tasting room. Um, the Love Wins, the Equality Series, first and foremost, um, the Bubbles. I love Bubbles. Everyone gen generally loves Bubbles, and Bubbles go with everything. No matter what, Bubbles go with everything. Remember that. Uh, the Rosé is a true blue California style of Bubbles. It's bright, it's juicy, it's very easy to drink, very very easy to drink. Uh, <laughs> and then the, uh, that's the rosé bubbles. The Blanc de Blanc uh, is a really, really sterling example of kind of a bridge, I like to say, between old world and new world bubble techniques. Uh, it's got that bright fruit. It's got that, you know, note to draw you in. But then it finishes just a little toasty and a little creamy. Um, the decision this is kind of my show-stopping Pinot Noir. It's a 2014 vintage. Uh, it is everything that you'd want from a Russian River Pinot. It's deep plums, deep cherries, really rich, really bold Pinot Noir. What you want to break out for the big pork loin dinner or, you know, if you have that perfectly done duck. Now, the Equality Series, uh, excuse me, the 19th Amendment Series. These wines are fantastic. Sauv Blanc tends to be my summertime juice. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc. It's citrus and more citrus and citrus on top of that. Uh, so if you're a seafood lover, especially shellfish, it's going to be a perfect pairing with that. The 19th Amendment Pinot Noir. This Pinot is a really great daily drinker. Uh, I am not a, an alcoholic per se because... I, I can admit it, uh, <laughs> but um, I really love this wine for just everyday drinking. It's a Pinot that you can actually, you know, take down in temperature a little bit. If it's a little too hot outside, but you still want a red wine, you can still drink this wine, and it's going to pair beautifully with lighter body dishes. And let me make but, a point about this wine too. This is made. This wine in the Ninth Amendment series is made by Brian Vays of Bailiwick Wines. Um, Brian is a man. 
And we originally said that with the 19th Amendment series, we would only have female winemakers, but we thought that was discriminatory. <laughs> Men can support women as well. So we thought it was important when Brian came to us and said, I love what you're doing. What can I do? And we said, help us create a Pinot for the 19th Amendment series. So, Well, it all makes sense. I mean, because no civil rights movement is singular and standalone, right? The women's movement has always been in front of the gay rights movement, and the gay rights movement has always been with and for the women's rights movement. So it just all makes sense to me. Um, you know, rosé seems to be such a, a popular fad. I mean, everybody seems to be drink, drinking rosé. Um, and to me, it harkens back to when I had my first glass of white Zinfandel many, 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 many years ago. You know, and, and so rosé has never been something that, that I've been personally attracted to. What is the draw to it? So I think, um, and I don't say this often, but I do believe we have France to thank for the resurgence of rosé. Provence has really shown us the way back to that traditional, beautiful, dry rosé. Uh, what rosé should be? Uh, there are places for every type of wine, for every type of palate, of course. But for me, rosé should be bright. It should have just the tiniest bit of effervescence to it. And it should have some really great acidity and body. So that brings me to the Juicy wines, which we also carry. Because Kurt Juicy, whose family has had a ranch here in the Russian River Valley for over 100 years, uh, when he got involved, he, of course, is doing the decision for us. We wanted to kind of welcome his wines into our tasting room as well. So we pour his Vermentino and his Rosé of Pinot Noir here in our tasting room. Now the Vermentino uh, is an Italian varietal. Most people aren't very familiar with that. It is a really beautiful light-bodied wine and it's appropriate to serve that at a Chardonnay temperature. So not too cold, but definitely not room temperature. And never with an ice cube. So if you want to chill your wines without the aid of refrigeration, I always recommend something like a whiskey rock or a frozen fruit, because that way, not only do you chill your wine, you have something to eat afterwards. Perfect, perfect. And of course, for our listeners who may not be familiar with uh, one of the really wonderful attributes of the Russian River Valley is that it really is ideal Pinot grape growing territory. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Where does, let's talk about the decision because that one you mentioned is kind of the standout. What separates out a really awesome Pinot from one that's maybe not so awesome? There are a lot of different uh, Pinot regions and a lot of people that are growing Pinot Noir. And I can tell you that there is a lot of questionable Pinot on the market. Uh, you really want to make sure that you are getting a Pinot Noir from a Pinot Noir growing region. That being said, Russian River is incredible. It has the soil, it has the climate. We get those cool foggy mornings, tempered afternoons, and cool evenings. So the grapes have a very long, slow ripening period, which is what you want. Pinot is a thin-skinned grape. You cannot grow it in the hotter climes of most of Napa or the Alexander Valley or the Dry Creek Valley for that matter. So you wanna make sure that it's had the time and attention it needs. It's called a diva for a reason. Uh, can't be too hot and it can't be too cold. And if you cannot grow Pinot, grow Merlot. It's much more forgiving. <laughs> I love it. Um, so for people that are brand new walking into the tasting room, talk about your very favorites. If you were going to pick out a couple of bottles that you would say, these are the two you've got to bring home. What are your favorites? Uh, Bubbles and the 19th Amendment Pinot. Uh, it really is 
I, I can't stress that bubbles are appropriate for all occasions. Uh, from your celebrations to your big steak dinners to just an afternoon sipping on the patio. It is appropriate for all occasions. Or sitting in the pool, as my uh, good friend up the street says, I don't get in the pool without a bottle of champagne, so stock up now. <laughs> Michael, what about you? What, what's, what are the ones for you that stand out as your favorites? Well, I mean, the um, Love Wins Cuvée is one of my favorites because it was the, it's the flagship wine and I was there at the table when we created it. Um, and I love bubbles. Um, I love the Blanc de Blanc. It's 100% Chardonnay. Um, and it, it, like Jason was saying, it goes with just about everything. And I've always been a Sauvignon Blanc fan, so the 19th Amendment Sauvignon Blanc is really good. That almost That's almost all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But I think I'm with you with the Sauv Blanc. I mean, that to me is, if I'm going to drink wine and not vodka, then that's... Kind of, it's kind of my go-to. Although it would be pretty tough to turn that Pinot down, I think, too. I did want to mention, uh, in addition to the Sauv Blanc and Pinot that we have for the 19th Amendment label, we will be introducing at the end of this month uh, a Chardonnay, and that will be a 2015 Chardonnay. I haven't tasted it yet, but I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Something to look forward to. So, uh, talk about the benefactors of, of the sales here. Where do, where do some of the proceeds go in terms of our movement? So um, initially, proceeds were going to human rights campaign, um, and then we opened that up. We give money to face-to-face -face Sonoma County as well, um, and we've give, given money to a few other organizations um, that come to us and say, we're having a, an event, would you be willing to sponsor us by donating wine, and th that runs the gamut. Um, the 19th Amendment, as we mentioned before, we partnered with the League of Women Voters, and actually um, the president of the League of Women Voters, Chris Carson, will be here in the tasting room in November, um, along with Jim Obergefell, pouring one weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun to have both of them here and have people be able to actually meet one of the benefactors in person. That's great, and I love the idea that you're not only contributing to a larger organization that's largely invisible to all of us. But I, you know, I have to say, they do important work. We need to have them in Washington. But it's, it's hard sometimes when you can't touch it and feel it. But then you're also supporting a local organization like Face to Face, which you can see and touch and provide such direct service here. I think that that gets also to the vision of the brand. Um, our goal, we call this, this our flagship location, um, because our goal is to open up Equality Vines tasting rooms across the country. Um, the reason and, and what that means is that we two things. We think it's really important that people are able to have the tasting room experience that you get in a Sonoma County or a Napa or any wine tasting region in places where you can't get it. So we want to bring the tasting experience to you and with each place that we open, we will find a local organization to then partner with and support them through our wines. Tremendous. Uh, it's really, 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 really exciting. So what, I mean, Guerneville, I mean, it makes sense. It's in wine country, but it's, it isn't in Napa and it's not in some of the other more frequently traveled avenues in Sonoma County. Why Guerneville for the first one? A few reasons. Um, you know, when I moved here eight years ago, Guerneville um, was, and I hate to use this word, for lack of a better word, kind of a declining community. It was the economy, there was so much going on. Real estate was super affordable. People rolled their eyes at me when I moved here. And 
I personally saw this diamond, you know, make, I don't know why it brings me to tears, but really I saw this, like, this town transforming. Krista Luke, he played a really big role in that. And then um, the guys that bought Johnson's Beach, we opened up the market. It's just been a real um, awesome journey. And the great thing is that we've maintained the fact that this community is largely a community of LGBTQ people, uh, especially the business owners. And our allies are here. Um, and so it made sense for our flagship location to be in the area that inspired the first wine that we came out with, which is the Love Wins Cuvée. Yeah, and, it, and I agree with you. And I love watching, again, as I mentioned before, this renaissance take place in Guerneville. There's amazing restaurants. There's new businesses opening up. It really has a breath of fresh air as a place, a, a destination place to vacation or just enjoy for a weekend. And, and it's great that, that, that you're helping also maintain the LGBT identity of Guerneville because so many places, especially in the big cities, the gayborhoods, if you will, are sort of disappearing. So this is, this is really important. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement, and it's like I said, it's been so much fun watching, uh, you know, young entrepreneurs come in and and open up unique and fun businesses. Well, you mentioned the allies too, which I think is really important, and you can certainly see that represented in in the wines that you're uh, featuring here in the tasting room. What's the reception been like from the business community here since you've? begun to open. I want Jason to say something because he's been really on the front lines with that, but I do want to say something about allies. I think it's really important to call out some of our other partners. Steve Saldano and Debbie Rice, they're a couple that have a house here in Guerneville. They really wanted to do something business-wise in Guerneville. Debbie works for Apple. Steve's a marketing consultant. Um, they're straight. They're allies. Brian Bivak, he owns a campground in Duncan's Mills, right, you know, five miles down the road. Um, he invested as well. He's straight. Uh, so it's, it's awesome that a lot of the people that are investing in this brand believe in, believe in the message and believe in the importance of equality for all people. So I just, I think it's important to make a shout out to those, to them. You know, uh, just as I am slowly going around introducing myself and uh, introducing the tasting room to the local business owners, just down the main street here, um, the reception overall has been very positive. Uh, everyone is excited to see this building especially come back alive. This is really, we are at the gateway to Guerneville proper. You know, we are the first thing that you see as you're sitting at the stoplight. So. Everyone feels it's so important to have such an impactful and strong message right as you're driving into town. Love wins. How, how much more impactful can you get? Um, and just meeting the local merchants has been a real privilege for me. Uh, just, you know, wanting us to succeed and really going above and beyond and partnering with us in getting people through my doors and, you know, to taste the wines. Well, and you've done something really amazing for Guerneville, too. I mean, it's not every day that in a small town like this that, uh, you know, the lead name in a landmark U.S. Supreme Court case, probably the largest one of our times, let's face it, uh, is, is here. And that piece of history is here. I mean, I can look up and not only see the wines, but also copies of Jim's book, which is also wonderful. We've had Jim on the show to talk about that. And, you know, it's terrific that he's associated with this. And... Boy, congratulations to you both for, uh, you. for putting this together. Thank you so much. 
So let's talk about the future and sort of the vision now for the next six or 12 months for the tasting room. As you look out a year from now, what do you hope to see going on here? I, I hope to see more labels launched. Um, I think that we are in talks with, um, I won't tell his name, but I will say that he won a Tony Award for uh, a great musical um, that had a really wonderful message. So we are talking about launching a series of wines with him um, and hope to have news on that very soon. Um, and then finishing the tasting, <laughs> getting Jason the storage he needs for everything. That's been, you know, you get into a space and you realize what you, you need and don't need. And, um, you know, I see a lot of activity coming in and out that door. We just, Jason and I decided the other night, let's throw a free locals tasting event on Friday from 6.30 to 8. It was packed. We sold a lot of wine, met a lot of people. So throughout the, um, the off season, as we like to call it here in Guerneville, um, from 6.30 to 8 on Fridays and Saturdays, we'll be inviting people in for free tastings. Uh, and that's locals and visitors. We call it a locals night, but of course, if you're visiting, you can, you can come in as well. Terrific. Jason, as you look out into the future, you know, you're going to be kind of taking the lead on this, I'm gathering. What do you want? What, what's, what's your ideal vision for this? What do you want to see happening here? Well, first, going back to, uh, you know, partnering with more people and expanding the brands. Um, you know, I've seen some of the initial artwork for the future. Um, I, I swear, I'm not a very emotional person much like my friend here, uh, but it, it really it gave, it made me misty-eyed, just seeing the artwork on the bottle that we've proposed and the impact. It was incredible, so I am so excited to continue to introduce different wines along with different causes and, you know, really expand our pillars of equality. You know, we're really, um, we have the two pillars thus far, LGBT rights and women's rights. And as we continue forward and we continue the conversation and, you know, move forward with new locations, continuing that conversation. Um, and next six to 12 months, I'm really looking forward to fleshing out the space, figuring out those awesome nights where we welcome the community in and we have I want the community to kind of think of this as an extension of their living room you know come in have a glass of wine bring some food for you and your friends and you know relax and enjoy the space excellent well you know you mentioned the work that still needs to be done uh, seems like these times we're really regressing you know, almost every day I wake up and read some other move that the Trump administration has made to take away some, some piece of our gain over the last eight years. Seems to be like this is going to be fundraising is going to continue to be a really important part of uh, this move forward. How would you like to see our community get involved? I mean, sometimes I think we're really complacent about pursuing our own fight for civil rights. How would you like to see people get more involved? I, I said this to Jason yesterday in a text message. I was like, well, you know, I think for every bottle of wine we sell, we should be saying to a customer, your purchase just made a difference. I, I think it's as easy as that. And I'm not saying come in and buy our wines, you know, but there, there are small things that you can do to help support, whether it's buying certain brands that are giving back and you know that that brand is giving back, you know, not buying Ivanka Trump's clothes. <laughs> 
<laughs> or anything that has the Trump name associated with it, I think is a great way to say, we don't support you, your message, and your complicit behavior. Um, and to, to step out and, and find a cause or something that you wanna, that you wanna do. I mean, you know, an idea is a great idea, but execution is really where the rubber meets the road. And I think that that's exactly, Matt Grove had a great idea and collectively a group of us came together to execute on it and and now we're making a difference and that feels really good i think everybody has the capacity to do that yes do something that's the message that is the message where can people go to learn more about equality vines um equalityvines.com um and i i want to make a point about uh equality vines versus equality wines you know we were equality wines for a while and when we opened up our flagship tasting room we decided that being surrounded by some of the greatest vineyards in Sonoma County, it, it, was, it was a great way for us to communicate um, our message and to also communicate the area that we're in. So we made that subtle change from wines to vines just because of our geographic location of this flagship location. And although you'll see equality wines on a lot of our labels, as we introduce new wines and Baltimore, that will that change will come about. But qualityvines.com. And if you do go to qualitywines.com, it will redirect you. Awesome. And what are the hours for the tasting room, Jason? Well, it is a bit of a shifting target somewhat, but uh, at least for the weekends, uh, we'll be open from 11 to 8 p.m. And uh, weekdays will be open from 11 to 5 p.m. And we will be closed on Tuesdays. At least you get one day off in there, right? So the, the website, though, is the best location to go for an update on any changing hours, right? Correct. Perfect. And we'll put a link to that website on our own website at OutbeatNews.com. You can go there and stay up to date on all the delicious wines and the hours for the tasting room. Michael and Jason, congratulations again, and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that wraps up our hour. My thanks tonight to John Goldsmith at the Pink Triangle Park and Memorial and Michael Volpat and Jason Myers for hosting us this month. Tune in next Sunday night for Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. Podcasts of our shows are available for on-demand play from iTunes, Google Music, and TuneIn. Get links and sign up for email notifications when new shows become available on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all week long.